Thank you for tuning in today at Propel Church. Whether you're watching through YouTube or listening through a podcast, we want to say thank you. Our hope at Propel is that you would be propelled into an authentic relationship with Jesus. From wherever you are tuning in, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We are so excited that you're here today and believe that God has an incredible word in store for you. You're not here by accident or by mistake, but God has a plan. If you uh, are here with us for the first time, my name is Pastor Nick Newman. My wife and I started this church almost six years ago, which is crazy to think about. September will be six years. So hey, in like a month, uh, we're going to be celebrating our birthday, and it's going to be incredible. So uh, I don't even remember what day that is. They'll tell you about it later on. But Man, God's going to do some awesome stuff today. Church, before I go too far, could you do me a favor? Could you help me welcome every person here for the first time? Come on. And hey, if it's your first time or second time here, do us a favor. Stop by the New Here Lounge. We would love to connect with you. We've got a gift as our way of saying thanks. Good morning, Church Online family. We're excited that you're here as well because we believe that God's got some amazing stuff in store last week. We kicked off 21 days of prayer on Monday, and I would just love to invite you to join me for one of those 21 days of prayer gatherings. So the information is going to be up here on the screen, but we are doing prayer gatherings Monday through Friday right here in the auditorium from 7 to 8 p.m. and Saturdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Sunday mornings are our regular experience times. Don't feel the pressure of like, well, I couldn't go last night, so I'm not gonna go this night. Like at any point you can jump in. Each experience is unique. But let me tell you this, if you'll give God one hour, he'll speak to you in ways you never thought he could. So if you, you're like, I don't even know how to pray. That's perfect. It's exactly what these nights are designed for, to give you an introduction. We open up with a little bit of worship. We have a brief devotional. And then there's a period of time where you get to pray individually. We have prayer guides for you that walk you through everything. I would just say, give me one hour. And I think God could do some incredible things in your life. So those are the gatherings. We're on like day seven of 21 days of prayer, so it's going to, well, it lasts for 21 days, so you got two more weeks, and so, <laughs> come on, math, and so, uh, but man, we would love for you to join us there. Last week, we also kicked off a brand new series called Don't Quit the Dip, and this whole series was designed to help you and I kind of navigate the low parts that we have in life. How many of you know, if you live for long enough, you're going to experience a dip, you experience a low part? Last week, what we talked about is that prayer is not our last resort. It's our first response. It's the thing we run to. It's the thing we go to that we're not going to wait to tag God in. At the moment we realize there's a problem, we invite God to help us be a part of the solution. So that's what prayer does. And if you missed last weekend's message, you can go to YouTube to find that. But this week, I want to talk to you about favor. And last week, I gave you the definition of favor, which is that favor means to gain approval, acceptance, special benefits, or blessings. And when we talk about favor, most of the time we talk about the favor of God and favor that comes from God. But you need favor with both God and people. 
And the reason why you need favor with God and people is because how many of you would love to receive some, from people some approval, acceptance, special benefits, or blessings? Come on. Like you've been praying for a raise, and it only happens when you gain favor with God and people at the same time. And so this morning's message may feel a little bit more like a conversation that would happen uh, from me to leaders, but let me just challenge you with this. Uh, every single one of you in this room are a leader in some capacity. If you've said yes to Jesus and you are a disciple, what we know about disciples is that disciples make disciples. In order for you to teach other people how to follow Jesus, somebody's watching you. Maybe you serve as a teacher here. You are a incredible leader. You got kids and they watching you all over the place. Some of you serve in a workplace environment and you've got coworkers that are coming to you for advice. Let me tell you, you're a leader. Parents, you got kids and you know you're a leader because they repeat the things that you don't want them to repeat. You may have only said it once, but it'll be ingrained in them forever. <laughs> you're a leader. Even if you're a college student in here today or you're watching online, you're a leader. Every single one of us have been called by God to lead. And when we are called by God to lead, oftentimes there's a gap between where we know God is taking us and where we currently are. You ever felt like you had big visions and big dreams for what the future was going to look like, but right now you just feel stuck? It's almost like you know what the canvas is going to look like. You've got this big painting in mind, but you're standing there with a blank canvas and a paintbrush, and you're like, I don't know how we're going to make this art. If you've ever felt like that, know that you're not alone, but that's why I want to talk to you about favor. Because I believe that God wants to fund the dream and the vision that he's given you. I believe that God wants to bring people into your life to create networks and resources that give you everything you need to do what God has called you to do. Because what I've learned about favor is that favor leads to the provision of God. Favor is the secret ingredient to God funding the things that he's called you to in your life. And so if I can teach you today some keys to growing in favor with people, I think you're going to be more blessed and be able to walk in all that God's called you to. And you might be saying this morning, well, I am independent, you know, the I-N-D-E-P-E-N, right? Like you might be independent. Do you know what that means? No, I'm just kidding. Now, if you knew, if you were following, you should probably quit listening to that. Kind of, no, <laughs> that's not today's message. But here's why I tell you that. You need to grow in favor with God and people, and you need people to do what God's called you to do. Look at what Luke 2.52 says. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and then, come on, shout it at me, favor with God and all the people. So it wasn't just that he grew in favor with God which sometimes that's what we focus on. Now, I'm not telling you to not grow in favor with God. The way you grow in favor with God is obedience. Obedience is the key to unlocking all the blessings of God. But sometimes what our American Christianity teaches us is in order to grow in favor with God, you have to be hated by people. And that's not true. You can grow in favor with God and people at the same time. Doesn't mean that people won't hate you. Jesus was clear that there's going to be some people that they just ain't happy with you, but I'm going to tell you some stuff about that in just a second. So if you have a Bible, will you go with me to Luke, I'm sorry, uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, as we kind of wrapped up 
Nehemiah chapter 1 last week, what we saw is that Nehemiah has become aware that the city is in great trouble, that the, the walls have been destroyed, the people are disgraced. And so he prays to God. He owns the fact that they've failed in the past, but he holds on to the promise that God said if they would return, that he would rebuild and he would redeem and he would restore. And so now Nehemiah is not just going to pray about it. He's going to do something about it. How many of you know it's not enough to just pray? Sometimes you've got to get to work. Okay, nobody knows. Let me tell you. I'm going to give you a secret. You can't just pray and it, everything magically happens. Oftentimes, your prayer leads you to action, and the action leads to the results that God intended. So Nehemiah doesn't just pray about it. He's about to be about it. You know what I'm saying? Like he's going to do something. This is what it says in Nehemiah chapter 2. Early... The following spring in the month of Nisan, right? No Honda, no the Nissan. During the 20th, come on, that's funny. Now, yeah. 9 a.m. laughed a little better. It's not a competition, but it is. So come on. You can laugh in church, I promise. During the 20th year of King Xerxes' reign, it says, I was serving the king his wine. I'd never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why do you look so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. And then I was terrified. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins. And the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? I want to give you four keys to gaining favor with people that we're going to pull directly out of the text. And as you find favor with God, I believe you can find favor with people and you're going to unlock the blessings and the resources that you need to do all that God has called you to do. Here's the first one. You need to live as a person of integrity. Live as a person of integrity. And you might be asking, well, pastor, where did you get that from the text? I'm glad you asked. If you look at Nehemiah's position, he served as the cupbearer to the king. Now make no mistake, Nehemiah is not a glorified Applebee's waitress in this story. Being a cupbearer to the king meant that Nehemiah's job was to taste test the food and the wine to make sure that the king wasn't trying to be poisoned. So when the king's food would be brought out or his wine would be brought out, Nehemiah would take the first bite and he would take the first drink. And if the cupbearer fell over dead, the king had a pretty good indicator. He should probably not eat it or drink it. The reason why you have to live as a person of integrity is when we look at Nehemiah's life is because if Nehemiah didn't operate with integrity, then the king could lose his life. So he was well-trusted, and integrity is not just what you do in public. Integrity is who you are when nobody's looking. Integrity is the peak behind the scenes at your character, and for followers of Jesus, we are called to live to a higher standard of living and to operate with integrity in every area of our life. If you really want to gain favor with people, you can't be two-faced. You got to be real and you got to be honest. You have to be a person who is reliable. You have to be a person who honors their employer's time. And I know I said it at the 9 a.m. and they kind of looked at me funny, but like if you spend all day at work on social media, you're stealing from your employer. 
They pay you to work, not to play on social media. And it probably benefit you to get off social media. So I'm just saying, do your job. And all the employers said amen, right? <laughs> to live as a person of integrity means that we can't just lash out at our coworkers every time that they do something we don't like. It means that we don't tell white lies just for the purpose of gaining favor with some and belittling others. It means we don't talk about our coworkers when they leave the room, but instead we are people who walk in integrity in every area of our life. Some of us want favor with people, but who we are in public is different than who we are in private. And every single time you live that way, you begin to get separated from reality. And when that happens, at some point, here's what I like about a spotlight. Do you know a spotlight reveals every blemish that you have? So I've, I said it, I taught at uh, another church a few weeks ago, and what I said is that most people want the platform, but they don't want to do the prep work that it takes to have the platform. And when you don't do that, you end up with a spotlight. And what happens is a spotlight reveals everything that you didn't deal with in the dark. You got to live as a person of integrity because it truly does matter. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, integrity is our high standard of living based on morality, which the good news is we don't have to define. Scripture does a really good job of defining for us what is right and wrong and how we deal with people. Solomon wrote this in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9. He said that the one who lives with integrity lives securely, that they don't have to live like running or hiding from people. They don't have to live as if something is always wrong. They live their life as an open book because they know that their behavior will match their beliefs. Like your employer shouldn't be surprised that you went to church on Sunday <laughs> because Monday through Friday they were impacted by it. You and I need to live as people with integrity. And one of the primary reasons that you need to live as a person of integrity and it gains favor with people is because there's going to come a time in your life as you're following Jesus and you're honoring God that people are going to try and attack your character. But integrity is what withstands the attacks that they come against you with. There's been times where people have come at my throat trying to attack my character, and every time my reputation and integrity holds up. It withstands the test of time. So live as a person of integrity. Here's a little integrity assessment for you. I'm going to give you three questions that I kind of ask myself as I'm looking at integrity. And if, you, if we read some of these and you're like, oh, no, I may lack integrity in some areas. The goal is not to make you feel guilty. The goal is to give you some awareness so you can do something different. So the first one is, do I say I'll do things and they just, they never get done. For me, this is the trash at the house, right? Come on. My wife's watching online right now. She'd be like, I'm going to text him and tell him, right? I'd be like, babe, I love you. I, well, of course I'll take the trash out. I don't, right? It's an area of growth. Do I make excuses for not following through? Well, babe, it's just a really hard season, or I've been gone every night. You know what I'm saying? You might need to grow in the area of integrity. Or do I just say the right thing when action is needed? In other words, it's always easier to talk than to do. But think about in your work environment where something is being done and you know it's wrong, but you don't do anything about it. You just talk about it. 
It's an integrity issue. So for you and I as followers of Jesus, I think all of us can continually grow in the area of integrity because we're not going to be perfect until Jesus comes back. We'll keep reading in Nehemiah chapter uh, 2, verse 1. It then says this, I was serving the king his wine, and I had never before appeared sad in his presence. Now, I think the second thing that Nehemiah gives us some insight into how we can gain favor with people is not in what he does, because what he does in this scenario is he's sad in the presence of the king. But it lives in this statement, I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So what you and I can do is learn from Nehemiah that up until this point, he conducted himself in a way that his king didn't know the emotional turmoil he was in. Do you think Nehemiah never felt sad before today? No, he probably felt sad. But Nehemiah knew that emotions are a great gauge, but they're a terrible guide. So I think if you want to gain favor with people, here's what you do. You carry joy into your workplace. Like if you really want to see God do something incredible in your life as you're growing and maneuvering in the area of gaining favor with people, carry joy into your workplace. And not just into your workplace. Some of you need to carry joy into your home, into your well, office is a workplace. Carry joy into the doctor's office, right? Like your doctors need you to carry Jesus to them. They may have dealt with some people all day that were just terrible, but your joy can make a difference. Have you ever noticed that joy has a way of changing the atmosphere of an environment? You and I get to set the pace for how we live our lives. And I would just challenge you that maybe the reason why you can't gain favor with your boss or your employer is because you live on such an emotional roller coaster that they never know what you they're gonna get that day. So when they come into the office to interact with you, they don't know if they're gonna get mad you, sad you, happy you, cheerful you, punch a coworker in the throat you, I'm gonna kill that client you. They don't know who they're gonna get. And so you're like, I don't know why I can't get the promotion. It's because they can't trust your emotional response. Because they don't know who they're going to get. And if they can't trust you with that, then not only can they not trust you, but they don't know how you're going to interact with the people you're called to serve in your workplace. So carry joy. The good news for us is that joy is not a feeling. It's a choice that we choose to do. So for me, one of the things a few years ago that I wrote down is that I'm gonna try and live my life as a thermostat, not a thermometer. Here's what a thermometer, a thermometer just reads the temperature of the room and it moves according to the temperature of the environment that it's in. A thermostat is aware of the temperature in the room, but it sets itself to what it deems appropriate for the environment that it's in. So when we live like a thermometer, every time the world gets a little bit heated and every time the world gets hot and every time you see that person lashing out on social media, you feel obligated to join them in it. I just, I can't handle the pressure of getting mad everybody, every time somebody else gets mad. That's a lot. Because there's a lot of people that get angry. I've had people in the last couple of years try and fight me in a Wendy's drive through line. I ain't got time for that. I'm a thermostat, not a thermometer. 
Just because I know the temperature of the room doesn't mean I have to match it. You can predetermine the pace that you're going to set. And I think carrying joy into your workplace plays a big role. But some of it is a perspective thing. Look at what Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 4 says. Paul says, we can rejoice, too, when we what? (laughs) When we run into problems. I don't know about you, but sometimes I read Scripture and I'm like, nah, homie, that ain't how that works. When I run into problems, I'm not like, rejoice. This is awesome. I am so blessed to have all these problems. Uh, But here's what Paul knew. There's a perspective thing that you can have in your mind. You can look at every problem you have, like the, the, you know, the sky is falling and it's going to be big and terrible. And, and oftentimes our reality is met by our expectations. That's why expectation is so important. Because sometimes um, you're mad at people for doing what you expected them to do the whole time. That's not fair to them. You expected them to get mad and then you got mad when they got mad. They just did what you expected them to do. What if your expectation was different? That in your problems and trials, he says, we know that it does what? It develops endurance. And endurance develops the strength of character. In other words, the problems I'm going through are not only giving me the ability to keep going, but they're developing the integrity I need to do what God has called me to do. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So in other words, when I'm being tested and I go through trials, I'm not only getting stronger and I'm learning how to endure and keep going, but it's developing integrity within me. And that integrity development just makes me realize how much I need Jesus. I get more confident hope in salvation because I become more aware that I've still got some cracks in my integrity and I need Jesus more than I ever have before. That's what Paul's perspective is when it comes to choosing joy. I don't feel like rejoicing. I choose to rejoice. So we keep reading in Nehemiah. Chapter 2, verse 4, it says this. So the king asked, well, how can I help you? And if you've ever wondered, do I have favor with people? This is the question. There's been times where you've communicated a need. He says that the walls have been torn down. The king asks, how can I help you? That's favor. Some of you need to become more open to actually allowing people and answering this question. You communicate a problem, and somebody says, well, how can I help you? And you go, I don't know. Well, you do. You got nine kids, and you can only take one of them to soccer practice. You need some help taking your kids to whatever sport they're playing. Some of y'all, that was too real of an example, right? (laughs) Let people help you. I'm going to tell you why you don't let people help you in a second, but I don't think it's this point. Well, how can I help you? So with a prayer, so he goes back to prayer, to the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king and you are pleased with your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. And the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, well, man, how long are you going to be gone? He said, when will you return? And after I told him how long I'd be gone, the king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, hey, if it pleases the king, Will you let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province of west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories and on my way to Judah? 
And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I'll need it to make beams for the gates, for the temple fortress, and for the city walls, and I'd like to build a house for myself. (laughs) Friends, this story of Nehemiah, when he goes and he makes his request to the king, is really important because... Nehemiah is risking everything in order for this vision to come to pass. He's risking his position. He's risking his close proximity. But what I've come to learn is that if you don't risk, God doesn't release. Like if you're not willing to risk your reputation for God, he's not releasing blessing into your life. So the point that I have for you is this. Ask big and trust God with the outcome. It's a big ask. If you look back at what Nehemiah asked, Nehemiah asked for some extended vacation days, right? He's taking some time off. Not only that, but he said, hey, king, if it pleases you, would you write me a letter that gives me safe passage through these territories? In other words, uh, this whole rebuilding job, I'd love your stamp of approval on so that when people try and kill me and the people I'm going to take with me, (laughs) they don't because they'd fear that they, the king would come after them. And not only that, while we're at it, um, you know the guy who's got the forest? I need some trees. And I would love uh, not just a few trees, not just like a gift card for like, well, you know, a million dollars worth of trees, right? Like I would love all the timber we need to do the work that God is calling us to do. I'm not just need, I don't just need the timber. Um, I'd also, you know what, I'd really like to build myself a house while I'm there. Now, Nehemiah said he was coming back, but why did he build a house if he planned on coming back? That's a whole different story. But here's what I'm saying. He had a big ask, and he trusted God with the outcome. Oftentimes, we don't ask big because we don't trust God with the outcome. So Nehemiah has this situation where he's choosing to make a big ask. And what I love is that as Tori and I started this church Almost six years ago, there have been time after time after time where we've had to learn to make a big ask and trust God with the outcome. In fact, a few weeks ago, um, Tori and I and the whole team, we we were like, I don't know, how many, we take eight people to Birmingham? So we went to Birmingham a couple weeks ago. We were there for a conference called Grow and at Church of the Highlands, which incredible place. But um, we were there, and I'm connected with one of the pastors who's getting ready to plant a church. His name is Reeves Wilder. What a cool name, right? Pastor Wilder, right? So we were connected, and they're about to plant a church in Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, as we were talking, they launch on September 12th. And I was like, well, man, what's your biggest need? And he said, dude, you know, our budget's tight now. And I was like, yep, been there. And uh, he said, but... There are these two like QSC subwoofers that we've got our eye on, but we can't afford them. And he told me what they were. And I was like, dude, I actually have those sitting in the cafeteria. Like we, we use the cafeteria back here for storage. I was like, I got two of them. If you'll just drive down from Knoxville, you can have them. And so yesterday he brought a whole team down from Knoxville and they went through all of our storage equipment, some stuff we have left over, and they were able to get the tools and the resources they need to start their church on September 12th. And the cool thing about it is if he would have never asked, God would have never had the opportunity to show up and provide. 
So you ask big and you trust God with the outcome. And as you do that, you'll find that God is really good at outcomes. We're not. A few years ago, I found myself um, really anxious uh, after I would leave church on Sunday mornings. And you know, church is not the place you typically pick up anxiety. But like, for some reason, I would leave here on Sunday mornings, I'd get incredibly anxious, and it'd last all through Sunday evening and into Monday. And so I was like, well, i got to figure out what in the world is going on. So I sit down and I start assessing when these feelings uh, started and where they came from and all of that. And when I was doing it, I, I traced it back to a conversation that I had right after one of the services on Sunday. And what happened was I was in a, the middle of a series um, that I had actually spent about two years developing. Now, most of the sermon series we do, they don't have two years of development. This one, we just could never get it on the calendar. And finally, we got it on the calendar. But sometimes messages are uh, not like microwaved. They're like crock pots. So this, is, this has been in the slow cooker for a long time. And there was, it was just good content. And every Sunday after I'd teach one of the messages, people would come up after the experience and they'd say, Pastor, that was the best message I've ever heard. I can't wait for next week. And you meant it genuinely. Here's the problem. I started to internalize and feel like if I can't beat last weekend, I'm a failure. And so I had all this anxiety and all this pressure. And so once I figured out what was going on, I called a mentor. And he was like, you got to listen to this message. And I was like, perfect. I love doing it. So he sent me a message, and I started listening to it. And Pastor Robert Morris at a gateway church in Texas, he said, he said, yeah, I used to feel this pressure. Every Sunday I would teach, and I would feel like I have to hit a home run. And I was like, me too. <laughs> Isn't it cool that you can hear a message and, and you, you relate with the you're like, oh, I've got that struggle. I've been there. It's because we all broken and messed up people, and we need Jesus. And he said, but then a mentor told me that God does a really good job of outcomes. I just have to get up to the plate and swing the bat. And if I can step up to the plate and swing the bat, I'll trust God that if he wants to hit a home run today, he'll hit a home run. But if he wants to settle for a double, he'll settle for a double. The good news is his word doesn't return void. So if we get up and teach, it's not going to be a strikeout. You just got to get up and swing the bat. And I would encourage you in your own life, some of you know that God is calling you to do something great. You've got big dreams. You've got big aspirations. And you know that one of the things that hinders you from stepping into that is that you don't have the financial resources necessary. And you know you should have a conversation with your boss, but you haven't. And I'm just telling you, ask big and trust God with the outcome. Just get up and swing the bat. You'll be amazed at what God can do. Here's the last thing for you. Give all the glory to God. So if you really want to gain favor with people, we're going to live as people with integrity. We're going to carry joy into our workplace. We're going to ask big and trust God. But at the end of the day, God gets all the credit for this stuff. So look at the last verse, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 8. It says, and the king granted these requests. Why? because I made a good sales pitch. Nope. Because I worked really hard. Nope. Because the gracious hand of God was on me. Nehemiah understood that you can work your entire life, 
But if you don't have the gracious hand of God on you, it doesn't matter. So he gives all glory back to the one who deserves it all. And I pray that at the end of my life, they could say, I don't know how he did it. It wasn't his smarts. It wasn't his looks. It was because the gracious hand of God was on his life. That's really what favor is. And when you walk in favor, it will open doors for you that no man can close. But you need to live as a person of integrity, to carry joy. You're not going to feel like carrying joy. I woke up this morning with a bad attitude. Anybody ever wake up and you're like, world ain't even had time to do nothing wrong to me. I just woke up mad this morning. That's how I woke up today. But one of the leadership principles I live by is that as a leader, I sacrifice my right to a bad attitude. So I don't like that. But on the, on the drive here this morning, I was like, Nick, you're a leader. You sacrifice your right to a bad attitude. You sacrifice your right. And, and over a period of time, I got over it. Why? Because joy is a choice. I'm going to ask big. And I'm going to trust God with the outcome. We've got big vision here at Propel to see God do some big things. But what it requires is us to make the ask and to trust God that he's going to do it at just the right time. And then we're going to give all the glory to God in the process. When you do that, you not only gain favor with God, but you gain favor with people. And the favor that you gain leads to all the provision you need to do what God has called you to do. But first and foremost, the only way that the hand of God is on your life is if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Because what Scripture teaches us is that without Jesus, we are separated from God. So we could do all the other stuff, but it'd be just behavior modification and it won't work unless you know Jesus Christ has paid the debt of your sins and is your Savior. And so for just a moment, with every head bowed, every eye closed across the room today, I believe that some of you haven't trusted Jesus Christ for the full payment of your sins. And today, you need to make that decision. So as every head's bowed, every eye's closed in the room, if you'd say, hey, pastor, that's that's me. I want to surrender my life to Christ. Would you just lift your hand for a moment and say, that's me. See that? Here's what we're going to do, church. Nobody prays alone. Will you repeat this after me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for checking out this week's message. If you made any decisions for Jesus or you need a next step or have a prayer request, let us know by going to www.propel.church/hub. That leads you to our digital connect card where you can fill out all of that information as well as see what we have coming up here at Propel. Thank you again for tuning in and we hope to see you again soon.